Hi, and welcome to the Best Small Business in the World podcast. Joining me today is Sturdy McKee. Good morning, Sturdy. How are you, my friend? Good, Matt. What's going on? Well, we got a great subject to talk about today. It's one of those things that um, gets in the way of a lot of progress for business. And I think it's a great topic for a business owner to to have some insights and, and some some tips and tricks and that sort of thing. So I think if you're a business owner, I think there's some real some really interesting stuff for you today. And I think you'll probably have a have a chuckle about some of the stuff that we're going to talk about. What's our topic? It's change and, and how to get change to happen uh, in your business. And in fact, it's not just your business and, and anything really. And mm-hmm. changes changes is one of the things that differentiates the big boys from uh, from small business. One of the reasons, by the way, that I love working with small businesses is because of their ability to change. Big businesses have got all that red tape they've got to cut through, right? Small businesses can actually just like they can do it straight away they can if you if you've got a better idea you can do it this afternoon you don't have to wait for 10 layers of red tape to come through and someone to approve the idea and and put in a process and that sort of thing you can have a crack at doing it this afternoon small business is so much fun because you can be so agile and change stuff on the fly in the moment it's great it's really great so and this is a great topic for a business owner to to really get their head around and and, and, and maybe get some insights on because what do we do for jobs, mate? We help people change their businesses. <laughs> well, and tra- right. And transform transformational change. Right. But the, um, the thing is, even when, and one, one of the things I want to dive into here is even when you as the founder, the owner of the business, the entrepreneur are committed to making a change, implementing a new process, let's say, or a new marketing strategy or whatever it is, right. It's really about getting, those other people on your team on board with the change and the implementation and the execution. I mean, there's some crazy ones like, you know, software is a, a great one, right? EMR and software adaptation or adoption rather it has like a two thirds failure rate or something, you know, that's insane to me. Right. But with something that's so basic or so foundational to these types of businesses that use those things, but um, failure rates of implementation are really, really high. And and by failure, we don't necessarily mean never, ever gets there, but definitely doesn't get there on time, doesn't go smoothly, you know, things fall apart. Um, yeah. So we're going to go through with you a little bit about how to how to avoid some of those pitfalls, how to get better, um, better adoption, yeah. better implementation. With half- I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. At the moment, I'm working with an engineering firm. <laughs> And um, typically it has lots of C profiles. So if you know about psychometric profiling, and if you don't go back and look at one of our podcasts in the past, we talk about it, uh, but lots of C profiles, which are, which are really great. If you're an engineer and you don't have a C profile, then at least part of that in your, in your profile there somewhere, I'd be a little concerned, <laughs> but um, they got this great group of people and they are all committed to change. And I'm working with them and they their, their readiness and their acceptance of it is such a huge credit to them. Um, and the way that they go about change is really effective for them. So they, they put in lots of process that, to support the change and to make it safer and that sort of thing. But what they have, what they've managed to change, and I've been working with them, this is my third month, and they have fundamentally transformed their business because they were committed to doing something better as a team. And it was it was fabulous. The owners of the business really, really um really great great owners great people and they said right from the start well we can't do this by ourselves so let's get everyone involved and and like what you just said mate about involving people um 
and they have they have been able to see so much change in their business then and that's everything from health and safety making sure that they they have their uh, their PPE gear and all that sort of thing and they have all that just from the very basic level also from a strategic level the sort of work they chase and why they chase it and how they chase it uh, it's been a, a real credit to them as a team it's fantastic but they've they've embraced change and as we both know not everybody does no no and so uh Roger Dean Duncan wrote a book, Change Friendly Leadership, which is a great resource, but it's 274 pages, and I have a summary I, um, that I tweaked after running it through ChatGPT, right? But one of the things he talks about, well, the first premise is change is inevitable, right? So I think we can all accept that or at least understand it. The environment is changing, right? So we can we can try to hold, and there are plenty of people by the way, I was looking at the Colby A assessments. I'd never really dealt with that before, but I'm looking at it and going, oh, yeah, I know where I fall without even taking the test. I went through and looked at this categories. I'm like, oh, I know where I am. Um, but like this example of somebody who has an eight or higher on a quick start is someone who's going to embrace change and run with it and, you know, likes all the new ideas and is jumping from flower to flower and that kind of thing. That's me, by yeah. the way. Um, someone who scores a three or lower on the quick start thing is going to go into panic mode when you want to change stuff. So mm. part of that level setting, part of that like con contextual piece is accepting that change is going to happen, that the environment around us is changing, right? The, I mean, if we go back a little ways, the internet revolutionized things. If we look at, you know, these things are touchscreen phones. Those have only been around since 2011, right? Mm. If, you know, you start looking at the rapidity of change with AI coming in and machine learning and all these other things. Um, not even to mention political and global, you know, stuff, all the things that are happening. There's tons and tons of change. So the the first step is really just accepting that the environment shifting and changing. And then as uh, Henry Sanchez, my pathology instructor, used to say over and over in physical therapy graduate school, um, adapt or die. Right. So that was his mantra. Now, he was talking about microorganisms, microbiology and stuff and pathology, but the same for all of us. Adapt or die. If your yeah. business didn't adapt, I mean, how many of you have a business today without a website? Right. <laughs> yeah. How many of you have business today that doesn't have email? Well, mm -hmm. you know, some businesses started in the 80s, 90s, you know, they got email in the 90s, right? In the 80s, there was very little email or if there was, it was like on campus person-to-person -person kind of thing um, certainly wasn't external and outside and all the kinds of things we do with it today. Um, so, you know, we've adapted to the technolo technological changes, the environmental changes, the social changes, and that stuff's going to continue. You know, whether you like it or not, it is going to continue. So kind of accepting and, and embracing and, and kind of getting ahead of it is going to help you just mentally and emotionally deal with all of it. The second thing that Duncan brings up, and I'm pointing because the book's over here on my desk, um, but is the head, heart, and hands approach. So the head, the intellect, that's usually where we try to talk about this stuff, and that's got a good framework to kind of consider, and that's a great starting point. But what you're going to see is the heart, the emotional overlay to all of this is really where most of us get stuck or most of us aren't able to carry through with our teams, right? And then the action is the hand, like getting it done, getting it done. And we, you know, we tend to be, most of us pretty good at that. Um, certainly 
you know, on your team, you're going to have some people who implement stuff better and follow through better and are more consistent than, you know, than others. And I'm saying that not to say I'm better. I'm actually one you would have to drag along with that part. But, um, but yeah, you know, think about all three of those head, heart, hands. It's a good way to, it's a great framework that he came up with that really captures and encapsulates those different pieces as you're trying to get your people on board. Now, why don't you go through that little stru- that structure for um, folks yeah, so they cool. can kind of see it, then we'll come back to how to involve employees. Cool. So um, I'll show you a model, and this model is what I show to people. It's, it's based on um, some psychology to do with uh, the process of grief, but it's a really interesting way of understanding the process of change. And if, you, if you're listening to this podcast, I would absolutely recommend that you get out a piece of paper and write this down because it's really worth knowing. Uh, and there's a five-step process that people go through when they go through change. And there are some things that you can do to make it easier for them to go through change. And especially if you've got people who are change adverse and not naturally going to embrace it, understanding this, 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 this process is absolutely critical because you can help them through it because uh, it doesn't have to be scary. Um, and what we tend to do is we tend to find that people have a good chuckle about where they are in the process of change as they go through it because um, people can identify where they are. Uh, and normally when I'm working with people for the first time, I'm encouraging a lot of change. I show them this model and I go, oh, I'm, I'm totally there. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a really handy thing to um, to do. So um, the first thing to have a think about, um, process of change, the triangle um, for those scientific people is, um, is the representative of change. The first part is excitement. And this is where we have this great idea and we're going to implement it. And it's quite exciting because we're going to do something new and it's it's really, it's, it's, it's great. It's going to be fantastic and it's not going to be hard and it's going to be really cool. And new is, new is exciting to a lot of people. Um, and so this is this is really cool because this excitement is normally looking forward. It's future focused and, and that type of thing. So this is a really powerful thing to have. Straight after there becomes um, we get into denial, and this is normally represented by phrases like, "Oh no, it won't be that bad. We'll you know we'll just do the same thing we've always done, and just with a tiny little tweak, and we'll barely notice it, and it'll be fine. And you know, no problems. It's 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 no drama. And I can come to work on Monday and just do what I've always done because what I've always done um, is is what I've always done, and I'm comfortable with that. So no, no, it's 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 fine. It's not going to be that bad. We go into denial, and this is where, as a business coach, we see this all the time. <laughs> Steady, you'll see people in this all the time. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and straight after denial, when the when the rubber starts to hit the road, people go into overwhelm. And, and I want to make one comment here, Matt, because this happens with change. But if you think about it, we're all kind of in a perpetual state of overwhelm with yeah, all days. the you know all the inputs. Um, you know, that are going on, the interruptions, the notifications on the phone, the email, the interruptions at work from people, uh, you know, family demands, you name it. Understand that everybody's baseline is really close to this idea of overwhelm to begin with. Yeah, yeah. And if you've got staff members who have got a lot going on at home and you start throwing change, and for some people see changes as being very, very unsettling, 
And so this overwhelmed thing kicks in. And what, what will happen at that point is they will fight back and they'll sit there and go, no, I'm sorry, I'm I'm too busy. It can't be done. Um, um, and you'll get all the excuses. So this is where you, you find the excuses. And typically what, well, what can happen is you go and you start bouncing from excitement and you go from excitement to, to denial. And then you go from denial into overwhelm. And then you end up going and not actually changing because this is the line of change here. And you actually bounce back and you head back to excitement again because you know it's a really good idea and we absolutely should do it but just not now now's like we're so busy right now you know? um, <laughs> how many times not now this isn't a good time yeah yeah so yeah so you know I've, I've got like the the family's coming and you know we've got that thing next week and you know honestly i, I can't devote the two and a half minutes it's going to need of dedicated <laughs> time to actually get something done right so so I use this line that's below overwhelm as as representative of when change actually happens. Uh, this is the moment that change happens. And then once that happens, we get a level of acceptance. And this is where we sit there and go, okay, we can do this. It can happen. We are there. It's 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 not as straightforward as maybe I first thought and, and excitement, but I can do this. It's doable, it's achievable. We can do this as a team. And then once we've done that, we get to confirmation. And this is the stage where you actually go, yeah, that it's 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 eminently doable. It does work. It is what we thought it would be. So this is this is this is at this point in the confirmation part, that's where we want to get to. What normally happens is we go bouncy, 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 bounce back there and don't get across this line. Which is, which is not great. And so there's a couple of things that you can do to help with the denial and the overwhelm. And as a leader of a business, if you understand that this is the process that your team are going to go through, there's a couple of things. Um, firstly, denial. Um, people will sit there and go, okay, I'll get around to that when I get around to that next week or next month or you know, ideally never. Um, and it's not going to involve that much change or, or whatever. You can talk people through and start developing action plans. So, so going back to your hard head, um, hard head hands, you can start putting in plans for the for the actual hands-on stuff because that's where the rubber hits the road. Um, and so, rather than going into denial, no, get them to embrace what it, what it means, what the process looks like, that the process is doable. It's it's and it's not as scary as what you might think it is. So give them a process of this. And then the overwhelm normally comes because we try and eat the whole elephant at once and not follow the process and actually go, right, what's our what's our system? What's our process actually look like? Well, the first thing we need to do is this. Cool, you do that one thing and you're on your way. And so this here can be certainly mitigated, if not nullified, by um, having a, a system and a process and and guiding your team through this. Um, often I see this at, at this point where at, at overwhelm, everything becomes too hard. And that's the hard part, obviously. It's 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 where you've got to push, push on and push through all of those barriers and actually get it done. And it normally doesn't take that much of a of a push at that point because you've got a plan. You've you've talked about the plan, you've involved your team, you've talked about the why are we doing this. So you've got a strong why, sense of why, what's our purpose for doing this? And then it's a case of, cool, one step at a time. Eat the elephant one bite at a time. So, so for those who are listening and not looking at 
Matt screen, process of change, excitement, denial, overwhelm, acceptance, confirmation. I would wanna to add to that implementation at the end. But if you look at these five stages, it's all heart, it's all emotional. You know, the excitement's emotional, the denial's emotional, the overwhelm is emotional, the acceptance is emotional, the confirmation, you know, deciding you're going to do it is emotional. So I want to go back and talk about that and how you get the buy-in from your team on, um, you know, with these things. Because uh, too often, I believe, what we do is we then go, we go as leaders straight into the thinking part to deal with the emotional part. And there's a mismatch and, and it sometimes doesn't work. It often doesn't work or it gets very frustrating or it takes a long time and all that. So one way to kind of short circuit this process or these stages a little bit is to, and we say involve your team. Let's talk about how to involve your team. Because I see, I, I talk to people all the time about this and then they go and do it and they, they basically do it wrong. What what we want to do, even if you've got a new process, okay, so here I'll use an example from some of my clients, right? We have a new patient intake process. It changes the order that um, new patients, you know, are the information is taken and stuff. And I'm just going to sh share with you what that is. New patient intake process, every, when you call a doctor, physician, dentist, or hospital, or MRI center, or whatever, right? They ask you a whole bunch of questions. And then at the end of that, what feels like 10, 15, 20 minutes conversation, getting your insurance and making sure you can pay in your address and your next kin and God knows what else, they then say, oh, yeah, the next available appointment is six and a half weeks away, you know, at 3 a.m., right? And you're like, what? It doesn't make any sense. And now, you know, you're really, really frustrated, right? We've all been kind of through something similar, right? Well, that's the baggage in this instance, the customer is coming to the business with. Mm -hmm. So, so the process, by the way, is name, phone number, give them an appointment. Can I get your name? You know, you're calling in. Can I get your phone number in case we get disconnected? Okay, let's look. So, and even if you can't do it at the third step in the way, you do it as early in the process as possible. Um, can I go ahead? I can offer you Tuesday at three o'clock or um, Wednesday at 11 a.m. And you've short circuited the, um, you know, the anxiety of the customer, all that other stuff. Great. Now that, you know, they say Wednesday at 11 a.m. or I can't do either one, you know, do you have anything on Thursday? Yes, I've got Thursday at one. Great. We've, in order to put you in the system, I need to get your date of birth. Now you have a reason. Okay. So I give you my date of birth. Okay, great. And you said that Dr. So-and-so sent you. Right. Da, da, da. Okay. So you're changing up the order, but you're satisfying the anxiety of the customer and the pain points and the problems that they're experiencing in a totally different way from what anybody else is doing. Now, the trick is, and I've literally run into this dozens of times now, founders, owners of practices and businesses can't get their front desk to do it. They won't change it. But, but you know, and what ends up happening is they go in a top down director directive kind of approach saying, hey, this is a new process. I want you to do this. And people are like, but, but it's not, you know, look, the way you do that, if you if this is something you want to do, is you can show people the new, the quote unquote new process, the Betty Crocker recipe basically, right? And say, hey, what do you think of this? 
and by the way, genuinely, right? Mm-hmm. Not manipulatively, not, yeah, 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 and I'm going to ignore whatever you say and just go with it. No, genuinely, what do you think of this process? How do you think it could work? Do you, you know, do you like it? Do you not like it? What about it? Well, this isn't the way we've done it before. You have that conversation. But what will end up happening is if you have a skeleton process, and oh, here's another one. I see this all the time, too. Founders mm-hmm. want to develop the perfect process and then roll it out to their team. Now, if you have an idea, go to them with the idea and say, hey, I have an idea about maybe switching up the, the order because, you know, if you ever called a doctor's office before and you haven't been able to get an appointment for six or eight or 12 weeks or whatever, isn't that frustrating? Oh, yeah, it's really frustrating. I have to call my dentist three months in advance or whatever. Okay, cool. Well, we don't do that to people, right? Yeah, yeah. But they don't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. They you don't just on a really interesting thing there. And I call that ownership, who owns the idea. And if your team own the idea, they'll do the idea, right? Right. But it has to be genuine. And that's the point I'm trying to make here is it can't be we're going to do this process anyway, regardless of your input and feedback and whatever. We've got to really have the conversation and paint the picture for them. And, you know, I saw a talk where when you're doing this, the guy called it manipulative. I'm like, dude, it's not manipulative if you're painting a picture and having people start to understand particularly if it's something that, that benefits your customer, mm. right? If it helps them and it's better for them, uh, you know, even if it's a little less efficient for us, who are we imagine, prioritizing? Ima- imagine for a second that you were your own customer right. and you wanted to have a great, a great experience. And so tell me, what would a great experience look like? Yeah. And, and how can right. we do that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And this is just one example, like that phone call for a new patient thing. You know, when people are kind of questioning or what have you, this is the opportunity to have that conversation. So, well, when you call your dentist, why do you call your dentist? You know, well, you know, I want to do whatever. I, I've got an all kinds of interesting answers. I'm like, well, okay. So if you get off the phone without an appointment, was that a successful phone call? Like, well, no. Oh, you don't call your, no, I mean, you don't call your dentist to chat. Right. I mean, maybe you're getting lab results or test results or, you know, something in sure. some instances. But the majority of time that people call their dentist, they're calling to schedule an appointment. Right. So yeah. if that's the end goal and we know everybody gets really frustrated by being told after they've done all the intake and all the other stuff that the first available is, you know, weeks or months out in advance. What could we do to improve that process? So. And, and again, involving your employees is really, really important, but doing it the right way is so absolutely critical. And, and you know, I, I know that I have an opinion. I want them to do this, but they're the ones who are going to be doing it. And I have to kind of suspend my own opinions and say, well, what's the best way to do this? I have an opinion. I think I know the best way to do this. But why don't I ask, and genuinely, why don't I ask the people who do it five times a day every day? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing to have a, a the other thing that, that always dawns on me is when you're going through a process of change, so you want a different way of doing things or whatever, you haven't succeeded until you get to the end point. Because if it's right. like if we if we want this much change, but we only achieve that much change, that it hasn't actually been a success. We actually right. and, and often what we'll do is because some parts of what you're trying to change or implement or whatever might go into the too hard basket and they go, oh, well, we kind of, we, we did some of the change and, and this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I see this in business coaching, right? 
So I'll deal with a with a client. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, you know exactly yeah. what. And they'll yeah. do, I'll I'll show them 10 things and they'll do two and they wonder why it doesn't work. And I'll say, well, because it's all interrelated. And, right. and it's it's like a recruitment process. I'll take you through the whole recruitment process. Right. But if you just want to cherry pick one part of it and, and it go- It may oh, not help, right? You might get the same outcome because it's, yeah. you know, there's, there's three things you need to do. If you're only doing one, you're going to get maybe less than a third of the result. Um, so, so real change happens when you've got to the end and you're doing everything the way that you thought that you would be doing it at the start of this process. Not just, oh, we made a couple of tweaks and it's it's a little bit better than what it was, but you know we can probably still do some more work on it. Nah, that's not a win. A win is when you get what you want and your customers, let's be honest, and your example is fantastic, when your customers get this amazing experience. And often when we're dealing with change, a little bit of change will suffice. It's 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 okay. Okay, yeah. We'll, we'll just have to be happy with 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 this little this modicum of change, as opposed to hang on a second. That's not what we wanted to do when we started out. We wanted to you know to give the customers our, an amazing experience or do something differently or whatever. And now we we, we and we tweak two things. <laughs> oh, that's well, not- and that's but that's a great example too, Matt, because you can apply that question: how, Did we improve the customer's experience? How much did we improve the customer's experience? How much more can we improve the customer's experience? Right? Yeah. Are we there yet? Basically, are we there yet? Because we can continue to make these changes. And this is where like the learning and the feedback process comes in too, because we want to find out from our customers if they are truly happy. We want to figure out how, you know, ask them, how was that for you? The NPS score is a great example, right? How likely are you to recommend us? And then it, you know, the thing that everybody leaves out of that process is they don't follow up and call the people who didn't give you a nine or a 10, mm-hmm. right? They don't call the neutrals or the detractors and say, hey, what can we do better? And without doing that piece of things, yeah, how do you know what you can do better? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really interesting. If you look at change as a concept, um, and, and you pointed out, and you're absolutely right, the world is changing faster than the world has ever changed in the, in, in, in the past. Oh. The, the yeah. rate of change is going up and, and, and probably on an exponential curve. Mm-hmm. And now we've got this thing just recently with, you know, with AI. Uh, there's going to be more change and it's going to be happening faster. So we have to get better at adapting our, ourselves and our business for change. If you own a, um, a medical practice, then you probably never thought before to do um, cons- consultations via Zoom. Where I live in New Zealand, if I need to see my doctor, I can Zoom him and tell him what my symptoms are. He'll ask me some questions. Now, I have an existing relationship with my doctor, so right. he knows. Um, but we can do it by, via Zoom. And if I need to get blood tests done, he'll just email me the um, the blood test form. Um, or what he'll actually do is he'll email it to the place that I get the blood tests at. Right. Uh, I'll just I'll rock up there and um, and it's all done. And previous to, to COVID, he would never have thought of that. And they had to change because they they literally like, could not see patients face to face for for quite some time. Well, um, Matt, that that telehealth thing is a is a great example because in my practice, I had been trying for five years. You know, I'd been doing remote meetings um, because we were spread out over you know an hour south, an hour north, and whatever. And for some of my uh, managers and stuff, I I didn't want to spend two or three or four hours in the car 
in a day of doing meetings, right? So I was doing things like this remotely back, well, with you guys, right? You with you in 2010. So yeah. because Matt's in New Zealand, he was my coach. How does that work? Right. And people still uh, assume that like when I do coaching, it's going to be people local here to San Francisco. I don't have any clients in the city. You know, I've got a few in the Bay Area, but they're scattered all over North America. And um, yeah, the technology, some people are going to adapt it, uh, adopt it earlier and adapt to it and to the changes. And mm -hmm. some are going to come along later. But yeah, when COVID hit, suddenly all of the staff was like, oh, we could do this telehealth thing. And, you know. Mm -hmm. Part of me was kind of like, yes, we could do the telehealth thing. Yes. You wouldn't believe it, would you? You wouldn't we would, believe it. We would like to do that thing that we've been talking about for five years. But anyway. The it, thing we've been resisting for five years. Now, now right. I can see a pathway to doing it. Right, yeah. right, right. Exactly. And, you know, patients were getting it. I mean, let's let's be generous here because a lot of patients weren't, weren't clicking with that idea either sure. prior to COVID. So yeah, it was a heavier lift. It was going to be a bigger, you know, more monumental kind of change. But again, when the environment shifted, people adapted rather quickly, you know, yeah. and all we're trying to do is also kind of advocate for you to anticipate these things, to move them along, to uh, create, you know, make change part of your culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the interesting thing about about what you've um, what, what we've been talking about from the medical uh, perspective is now I have a better experience. So even though they they didn't necessarily drive it, they had to deal with it. Now as a customer uh, okay. and as as a patient, I have a better experience because if I didn't feel great today, I can book an appointment online now and talk to my doctor this afternoon. I can, I, can, I can have a same day appointment. Why? Because rather than sitting in a waiting room and waiting for you know him to say, hi, how are you? And come on into the office and how you've been feeling, all that sort of stuff. I can Zoom him and he can talk to me just like you and I are now. And we can have, and, and I can see him this afternoon. Right. And I, it, take, it will take me less than 10 minutes out of my day. I think last time I, I clocked it at six minutes. I am um, mm -hmm. an ear infection. I, I, I get ear infections. And so, he said, okay, what are the symptoms? And I said, yeah. And he said, is this what you've kind of had before? I said, yep, that's cool. He said, cool. You stuck the camera in your ear. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, um, I, I, have a, I have a temperature thing. So yeah, your forehead yeah. temperature thing. I have it for my daughter. So I said this and he was like, okay, that's cool. Yep, it's, it's most likely that. I want to see you once it's cleared up, but we'll give you some antibiotics right. now and we'll, we'll clean it up. Literally six minutes of time it took to do that. It was good for him. It didn't interrupt my day. Um, right. I got what I wanted. And then we booked a, an appointment for three weeks uh, in the future. And and then I went and saw him and he said, okay, that's cool. Yeah, it, it was exactly what we thought it was, which is great. And then he told me I need to lose some kilos and, you know, all that sort of stuff. All that face-to-face stuff you don't want to talk about. You know? Who doesn't? Right, right. <laughs> Who doesn't? But from a customer's perspective, it's fantastic because I can see my doctor today. Mm -hmm. Isn't that cool? That's fantastic. Um, yeah, and not have to drive. I mean, this is one of the things like in the in the physical therapy world that we look at. It's people are really hung up. I mean, I'm talking about practitioners are really hung up on price. They don't want to raise their prices. They don't want to go out of network. They want to keep the price down as much as they possibly can and what have you. And they're also afraid that if they do, um, you know, cancel whatever contract or raise their prices in any way that patients won't come. I'm like, Patients are already paying, and anybody listening to this who isn't a physical therapist practice owner, right, 
if you have to go to PT, you're not you're not just worried about the dollar amount, the the inconvenience of stopping work, getting in your car, going to the place, you know, all the other investment that you're making in that. I mean, what if you could pay $10 more and do a remote visit every so often? You know, yeah. I mean, again, let's look at it from the patient standpoint and then ask them and do things that the customer wants us to do and in, engage and include our team all along the way in those conversations. Because when they start to see it from the other person's perspective, when they empathize with it, when they're looking at how they can break it down and make it better, they're far more likely to move through Matt's stages, the process. Um, more quickly than if you go in and say, hey, we're doing it this way. Yeah. Let's be honest, that, I've never seen that tactic actually work. Outside of the military that. when you have to, or, you know, like yeah. under, it's, yeah, you're compelled under duress. Yeah. That's not a great model for most of our businesses nowadays, right? Uh, really bad, really bad model. So hopefully we've given um, some of the listeners uh, some ideas about, what to expect and, and and how to deal with with all the um, the issues that can come up with change. Um, the really cool thing is it's it's a skill. It's it's a muscle. Mm -hmm. You'll get better at it the more that you do it, and the more deliberate that you are when you are doing it, the more success you will have. It really is that simple. Change is is normally difficult for most people because they don't consciously do it. And what 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 we've talked about today is actually being really conscious about creating an environment for change so that it's easier to accept. There's a process to make it easier to actually implement. Mm -hmm. um, getting, getting, and I love that, um, that Dr. Duncan uh, heart, head, hands, hands thing. That is, just, yeah. that's cool. You got the process of change that you can take your team through. You can talk about um, everything we've talked about today. So, so there should be, you know, some, some tools in there for business owners to be able to go. Yeah. Okay. I need to make this a, a superpower of my of my business. Um, and small business owners have, like I said right at the start, mate, you've got this wonderful opportunity to beat the big boys because if you come up with a better way of doing it, you can do it this afternoon. There's it nothing a, getting in the way. There's a huge unfair advantage that you have over all the bigger, bigger companies and stuff. Um, yeah. One last thought to kind of leave everybody with is when you're stuck, if you get stuck in this process, Go at it from a psychological perspective, because too often what we've ended up doing is we're trying to address these things logically, and that's great, and, and it has its place. I'm not saying don't do that, but what I'm saying is if you're finding your team stuck or they're hung up or they're not doing it, you're not getting adoption, um, you know, you're not moving forward with it the way you want to, whether it's you or them or, or who knows what, whatever components are. Look at it from a psychological perspective and see if there's something there, something in the emotional, the hard part that is getting everything kind of hung up. Yeah. And then how do you address that? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's, um, cool. it's so, what was that phrase you used? It's psychological over logical. Yeah. Was it the phrase? It was, it was, it was yeah. brilliant. It was absolute genius. I love that yeah. quote. Yeah, psychological over logical. Dude, look, I, I, I love it. That was originally spurred on by Alex Ramosi's equation and some of the right. stuff he says. Um, but one of the points he makes that I thought was just, it just clicked. It was like, yes, everybody's trying to solve things logically, mm. right? 
So even if you're, and this is the thing you said that kind of hit me, even if you're really good at that, you're only going to be incrementally better than all these other folks. But if you can solve it psychologically, you have the potential to be exponentially better. Mm-hmm. And that was really kind of one of those moments for me to really start looking at it because we're all, we're emotional beings, we're psychological beings, right? And, and that's yeah. just the way we work. So, you know, look at that, ask the questions, try to figure it out. What's the root cause holding things up? Mm-hmm. Then what's the solution and work on the psychological solution. Absolutely. So if anything we've said today rings a bell um, or has got you thinking and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I need to explore this um, a bit further, then please feel free to reach out to, to Sturdy or I. Um, the contacts are be in the uh, description for the podcast. So feel free to flick us an email, um, come and say hi. We um, have a, um, uh, a Facebook presence, so you can come and join the team on, on, on Facebook. Uh, you can contact us directly. Um, we don't have teams of people who work for us. You can, when you send us an email, then you'll actually be, it'll come into my inbox and Sturdy's inbox, which is Amen. which is pretty cool. So um, yeah, if you want to have a have a conversation, um, you want to get hold of uh, the best small business in the world book, um, then uh, click the links below, and we look forward to having a yarn to you again. Oh, she jumped down. I was doing a little cameo. Come on, you want to be on camera? <laughs> what is she doing today? Oh, hello, darling. <laughs> she was coming over here and pushing on me and telling me the podcast is over. All right, the podcast is over. <laughs> well, who am I to argue with, with with an authority like that? We'll leave it there. We'll look, look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks, everybody. Take care.